right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Speaking the Lawn. It's been a little while, um, but we are back to talk some lacrosse, as everyone has been clamoring for. Um, and uh, yeah, the little regular season wrap up, look ahead to the NCAA tournament, talk about the bracket, keys to UVA, winning a third national championship in four tries. Um, and as we're talking across, I have Caroline, I have Paul with me. Caroline, how are we doing today? Hi. <laughs> we're back, baby. Paul? Living the dream, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Paul UVA. is stoked to be here, folks. <laughs> yeah. That's my excited voice. <laughs> um, man, it's been a while since I've done a podcast. I gotta, like, you know, recalibrate myself. Anyway, um, UVA uh, was seated second in the NCAA tournament bracket on Sunday night. Um, they are set to play Richmond at home on Saturday at noon. And uh, their side of the bracket includes Georgetown and Yale. Uh, UVA, if they beat Richmond, would play the winner of that in the quarterfinals in Albany. Um, or playing uh, potentially Notre Dame, Johns Hopkins. Uh, Utah plays Notre Dame. If Utah goes on a crazy run, I'm blanking on who Johns Hopkins is playing right now. They're playing Bryant, Bryant? I think. Yeah, I think it'll probably end up being pretty chalky, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, don't count out Utah yet. Let's, let's, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I guess we should probably look back at the regular season for a minute. Um, UVA finishes. With three losses, two to Duke, one to Maryland earlier in the year that I believe we talked about. Um, They beat Notre Dame twice by a combined nine goals. Also cleaned up the regular season with a couple of um, blowout wins against, you know, bottom tier programs that didn't make the NCAA tournament. Lafayette, Syracuse, North Carolina. Um, Caroline, (laughs) did you have any particular takeaways i mean there's individual guys i'm sure we can talk about that came on particularly hot at the end of the regular season anything that that caught your eye i've got four words for you matt noons xander dixon that has just been the back half of the stretch xander dixon currently sits i was thinking about this other day i was talking to my dad on the phone anyone who knows me or has listened to this i've probably talked to my dad i've talked about my dad and lacrosse why i am the way that i am about lacrosse so you're welcome or i'm sorry um he was like you get to you're probably gonna be you get to see someone break doug knight's record and i was like holy shit that's cool uh he is currently tied with doug knight and with 56 goals for the season i'm not sure that i there's so many records that have been broken um i'm not sure that i thought this one was coming because xander didn't play a lot his first couple years so to say that this is like oh well he's got five seasons you're right he does but he didn't play much his first or second year realistically um right am i remembering second year correctly uh he so i mean he got spot second line midfield minutes in 2019 2020 his second year was covid even in 2021 he was solidly second line midfield getting some reps as like an invert guy to pick for schellenberger and more but yeah i mean we really didn't see i I mean you can't he was always very talented it's not like he came out of nowhere i mean he was like last year he was my guy that was like i think he's ready to like have a breakout so i'm very this way partly too like me just like bragging about it but i think i even asked (laughs) lars the beginning of last season i was like do you you feel like you know xander's ready to and that's what's been so incredible and the way that he that i've still huge Peyton Cormier fan over here that's never stopped and he's having an incredible season and he would probably be close to breaking the record if he didn't have a couple games that he missed and he had one game where he didn't score at all so we gotta Peyton are you okay 
um just kidding like he's fine it's just there's so many goals to be had that you know sometimes it happens i think he hit two pipes in the game he didn't score but um the fact that so i'm glad that peyton is on the tour on watch list the finalist it is a travesty that xander dixon is not on that list i don't know what like i don't know if it was something where like oh we'll just like pick two guys from virginia like whatever like the normal yeah. but like like I, I just there's and you could go down the list and say like i don't know why you put this person on they are not having a better season than xander dixon so it doesn't really matter, but that's one of those things where like he's one of the best players in the country and the way that he's finishing, the way that he's can take over games, the stuff that he can do inside, he has scored a couple from outside now, like that changes everything. Um, and just goes to show, I think concern early in the season or con- not concern, but questions when you lose someone like Matt Moore, you lose technically the second quarterback, you're operating one quarterback system. Um, Connor Schellenberger can't assist every goal, uh, though he has a ton. He's got like he's 43 tried. assists. He's, he's tried. Close. And probably should have a few more too um but he xander dixon has just been incredible and then the other name matt noons the f- heading into the first notre dame game at notre dame there were a lot of i think reasonable questions maybe a little nitpicky when it came to him in his second season about like he was basically just saving things that he should save maybe missing a couple he should have made but not stealing any goals from anybody and Woo boy, if that has not changed, he has been electric in the last the last few games. Like just absolutely incredible. Uh it's honestly a bummer that they lost the second Duke game for a lot of reasons, one of which was he put on a performance in that game that unfortunately fell just short of the comeback. But that's kind of been because look guys, the offense is really good. The defense is solid. They're in a I think they're in a great spot right now. Yeah, I think Noons, um, Lars, or, or maybe it was Cade Sauce that after I think the Syracuse win mentioned that Noons got in, up in front of the team and said, after that, after the Duke loss, um, like this is our last loss of the season. And I think if we're talking post Memorial Day in June about another run, like I think that's a moment you look back oh, yeah. at. And that is like the way that he's come on in yeah. these la- in this last month. As writers, um, we are clamoring for that to happen for a lot of reasons, oh, yeah. one of which so we can be like, back in April, yeah. that will be my lead goalie, Matt for the NCAA championships. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we, when do we put up the Matt Noons, Tim Tebow statue? That's the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's that's the, the speech in the locker room that goes down in program lore. <laughs> well, it reminds me of this is this is relatedly unrelated, but they asked, I think it was Matt Ward, sideline in 2006. One of the sideline guys was like, you know what does it mean to you know you're undefeated um and he was like well we want to win a national championship so i guess we have no choice now <laughs> like it was like one of those <laughs> things i was like oh yeah okay good call like you know so what they want to do is win another title and if they do that then his statement will have been true so yeah. we'll see watch they lose to lafayette like the I... <laughs> um anyway uh paul do you have uh you know i mean caroline covered those two guys um pretty well do you have sort of end of the year thoughts? They don't have to be positive. They could be a little, you know. I mean, they lost to Duke. Uh, no, no, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just the I'll, two I'll, seed, here, and Paul's like, Let's here's get all. To here's it. my rain cloud uh, for the podcast. No, I. So I, the uh, thought that sort of came up as we were talking about, or as sort of discussing who who was on the toward and finalist list and who was not, and the, the idea of well, of course Schellenberger's there, and of course Cormier's there, but how can you leave off Dixon? I think actually is almost an argument in favor of Schellenberger winning it that 
that the fact that Connor Schellenberger is there in for the gold production in his own right, but the assist production that is primarily him going to both Dixon and Cormier, um, the fact that both of his sort of attack mates are having these these historic seasons, um, you know, with, with Dixon being on the verge of one of you know other other than sort of like the the TD Irlon um, faceoff type records, like one of one of the more unbreakable records in lacrosse, and Andrew Dixon's right on the the threshold of, um, you know, and and then you've got a guy like Cormier that it's a it's you know. The, the fact that he the USA Lacrosse magazine had released their list of all Americans and Peyton Cormier was honorable mention and that was insane to me yeah um, yeah I, I, anyways I, I think that's a, that's a a hallmark of of just how good Schellenberger has been um, you know we talk about going to a, a you know going from a two quarterback to a one quarterback system but I mean, when, when the quarterback is that good um, yeah I think that's that's creating so much off the ball so much of the 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 potent movement and it and there are midfielders that are feeding off of it too because it's not it's not just a feed to goal mouth it's each of the guys behind him are all of a sudden getting that 10 to 12 yard step down in space because the defense is having to be so focused on what's happening right in front of the goalie um i think in terms of the um sort of question marks and i think we'll talk about more as we talk about sort of what might may, what might be keys to a tournament run the question weirdly enough might be face-offs with mac eldridge entering the portal there's i guess there's the question of how much he's going to factor you know it, it we've seen this happen before with guys entering the portal but sticking around it, it, correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't xander dixon one of those guys that that put his name in the portal but it was literally just to explore his options and he stayed with the team. Um, God, was I too. Been, I or, been after 2020, I believe both of them were in the transfer portal and now are 50 plus school scorers in the same season. Right. And, and so I think that's, that's the, so what does that mean for going into the tournament? Is, is Eldridge going to be sitting in, sitting in his dorm in Charlottesville the whole time? Um, and, I, be, I believe he'll be with the team. Okay. I, I, I yeah, I don't think it precludes them from yeah, participating. I, I, not, I mean, it's not, up to the coaches, right? If the correct. coach wants that's, to be that's like, what I meant. Is, you is what's, what's the Probably. background behind the situation? Is yeah. this something that he's he's just like, look, I, I you know I'm homesick, I'm whatever it is, I I want to see what else is out there. Um, we're, yeah, we without having that that insight, and I'm sure we'll get some more insight as we get get closer to those first uh, first games, but. May is hot. Memorial Day weekend is hot. It is hard to play a lot of lacrosse in the heat. Um, and so one of the, the great things about the tournament is that it, it exposes who's got the depth to make a run. And that's a position that PD's awesome. PD's fantastic. Um, but if PD also gets dinged up a little bit and can PD get tired, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of, um, you're who's forgetting who's that this gonna is be the, the second guys? This is the time of year where he turns into a robot, though. So Correct. there is that. There is um, that part of it. Which there is, is that. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's it's UVA is deep everywhere, maybe except face off and goalie. Um, yep. But if your face off and goalie man are are both Superman in the tournament, you're going to win a national championship. Yeah, yeah. I think the probably the. I don't know, 
comparison for Eldridge in this situation is Patrick Burke and Shaw in 2019. Um, if we remember, there was actually a little bit of a goalie battle. Not that that has happened with this. Petey was always going to be the number one guy and Eldridge was going to be sort of secondary. But in 2019, Alex Rode won that goalie battle. Eventually, quite clearly, Birkenshaw entered entered the transfer portal before the tournament and then was the backup for that tournament run, won a national championship, yada, yada. I think, yeah, it is weird that Eldridge hasn't honestly taken five to ten reps a game consistently. I think that that's part, probably just part of, like, the PD Lasala of it. Um, and we probably we don't need to speculate about what Mac is going to do. And, and obviously, UVA would love to have him back. Um because he is the number one face-off guy in his in, in his class, and he's not coming back. <laughs> right, <laughs> that one is finally official. Uh, like he can't; he's out of time. Right. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll see. Um. I guess you know maybe we pivot. Do we want to do bracket talk first, or do we want to talk about like the team in general heading into May and like sort of keys to the tournament? Do we want to do bracket first? Two keys first. Keys first. Okay. Um. So okay. So here, here's essentially the way I'm going to pose it to you guys. And if we're talking June, and I, I know I mentioned the Matt Noons thing, but if we're talking June, whatever, first, second, third, fourth, about a, another UVA lacrosse national championship, what happened in May that won it for them? What changed? What stayed the same? What what was that sort of like driving force and, and different answers for favor? Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. I'll throw it to Paul first because I threw it to Caroline first on the last one. Are you... Con- control. That's the, the, of of we know that this team can play chaotic at a level that no one else can match. Pretty much, no or no one else that we've seen this year can match when they're playing chaotic. The question is, can they play controlled chaos? That whether that's being smart and only deploying the 10 minutes. This is going to be my hill to die on this year as I the 10 minute. This is my only. Did you hear me ask him that question, by the way? I asked Lars about it. I was like, is there ever a moment in which. I think Lars is right, but I'm going to, I'm going to let Paul go. This is my only old fogey thing. Like I want my lacrosse fast and dangerous and weird, but the 10 man ride is driving me insane. (laughs) Um, So I think, but that's, I think that's an example of it's either deploy it selectively or play it better uh, because giving up one or two, even if it's just one random goal in the third quarter can be a mo can it, 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 when you're in this, this setting where momentum is going to be swinging and, and emotions are going to be higher. And that's the kind of thing that can let control slip out of your fingers. Um, and they've been good enough to, not let that determine the outcome of a game for the most part this year. Uh, you know, that second Duke game, maybe we could, you could say that there was a little bit of, um, you know, letting, letting Duke grab control of the game at, at certain points, but um, you know, the, the, the ability to play Virginia lacrosse in a way that keeps the scales tilted in their favor close to the entire game um that's that i think is is gonna be gonna be the key of of whether that's turnovers on 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 clear attempts getting back to what what i think it was anish Roth described as the valkyrian ride uh that, that we saw from them in, in more sort of the 2019 20 um you know, beginning of the 2020 season um those are the things that that i think that it's it's a 
yeah, play, play that aggressive. Don't, don't change who you are, but implement it in a smart way in the tournament setting. Uh, so having said absolutely nothing of specifics or substance, uh, I will, <laughs> Caroline. Well, I will say, I think I understand. It's one of those things like the goals on the Temian ride stand out more because you're like, there was no, it was a wide open. I think they've only given up two, which I think is also the same number they've scored. And I think that they've, this is where like Lars will go with the analytics is they have, I think they've caused more end line turnovers than they have given up goals in that. Like where they try and make the shot and like don't have the guy all the way to the end line anyway. But it's a it's a fair question because I think the Valkyrian ride part of it is uh, twofold. It's um, my guy Ian Laviano was a monster, and <laughs> and uh, Matt Moore was very was very right. good at it. Um, and so you, that, take, I think... you take a two way midfielder and make him an attackman. He's going to make <laughs> yeah. Who's a yeah. who's a big who's a big boy too. He's a big he's a tall kid, but not that the. Uh, not that Connor's bad at it. It's just, it's different vibes. Like, right. So um, I agree with you in the sense, in a lot of that hundred uh, percent, because I think the, the defense needs to um, show what they've shown the last few games and step it up just a smidge. I actually think this defense is better than they get credit for. There's a lot of, like, when you look at the numbers, um, they, they've given up a lot of uh, garbage time goals. <laughs> so some of those scores are a little um, different, whatever. Uh, but when you look at like what they've done in settled six on six play, the defense has played really well down the stretch, I think. And that's even without Matsui. I don't know what his status is going to be. He's been in a boot for the last couple of games. Um, but what they've done to notre dame twice this season no one else has done to notre dame and that's the length that's the discipline there this under lars and you'd think early in the season there were some criticisms about the defense which i think were understood because you bring back just about everybody and you're like how are they not performing at the same level that you finished last year but every every year under lars you see this growth as they get used to the the slides and and they aren't having to slide as much and i think the, the improvement from the first duke game the second duke game i think was there was a lot of that but where duke um i'm thinking that one specifically stands out to me and maryland had a few maryland was the one that was like particularly annoying because they'd play really good defense for 58 seconds and then maryland would make like the maryland ball movement is just crisp and whatever else um but they got eaten up in some of the transition goals, especially early in the season, like where they weren't sliding to the man with the ball, they were hedging for the pass, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top of that, putting Noons in a situation in which he wasn't up to the par that he is now. And I think there were a couple spots against Notre Dame, the, the last game out where uh, Noons has been saving some that he is just stuffing folks where like, he's good to, you know, there was a play. I don't know how this happens. <laughs> at all like i mean it's there's a lot of stuff happening but uh the short stick d mini just like ran away from one of the kavanaugh's with the ball at like 15 feet out and kavanaugh was like all right sweet like and shot it uh thankfully noon's kind of the save and then hit like i think it was in in the in the open field that led to a transition goal um that wasn't happening early in the season all of that and hopefully some of that stuff never happens again uh but all this to say the defense I think is much better than they were when the season started. Um, and they need to, it's obvious, right? The defense has to be good. Cause I think the offense just needs to keep doing what they're doing because the offense has been fantastic. Um, they're just 
so creative in the the do yourself a favor and watch the offense kind of float around when they're setting picks and and kind of waiting timing their cuts in the middle it's art sean kerwin is an artist it's incredible um and then i'd say probably pd won 60 plus percent in june if we're talking about in june his postseason face-offs would probably be 60 plus is my guess yeah i think the face-off thing depending on the matchups and and, and if the ref if you, will call a hold yeah Sorry. well <laughs> if you look at the matchups if you look at like if you just go off of pure seating who's uva gonna play like if you just say okay chalk all the way to memorial day monday um i think if you okay so richmond i think pd can win that face-off battle georgetown is when it gets interesting because they have james riley another guy who's going to be picked along with pd in the pll draft tonight little shout out uh pll read about the archers and hopefully they take pd tonight anyway um <laughs> And then Notre Dame, if they play Notre Dame, again, we, we've seen PD win that battle, but also to what degree will he and how can they deal with Notre Dame forcing him to win it backwards and then try to dominate with the wing play. And then most notably, if it's UVA Duke in the national championship game, can PD go blow for blow against Jake Naso because he didn't in Durham and that's what put them behind. It's not the only thing, but that was a big thing that put them behind and made it so that they could only get back into that game very late when he did win a couple of face-offs. Um, and so PD, as you mentioned, like PD is an obvious one. We've seen him do it in May, even if it's not off of pure winning percentage, even if it's just scoring goals for my answer for this, I'm going to go quite simple. And I'm just going to say Connor Schellenberger. Woo! That's why in we didn't games, take that one. We know you wanted yeah, it. <laughs> right. In NCAA tournament games where Connor Schellenberger has scored a point, UVA is 5-0. This season, in the three games that UVA lost, I believe Connor had nine points in those three games. I can fact check myself on that in a second. Um, they were all games not, that Zach was at. <laughs> no, I was not at the Duke game in Durham. Okay. I was no, not at the Duke game in Durham. I just had that thought. Um <laughs> That being said, he's healthy. He hasn't been healthy for a while. He hasn't been healthy since that first Duke game when he got banged up. And frankly, before that, I think he was a little bit banged up as well. It's been a lower body injury. I think you've seen him not be quite as explosive. I think we got to see some of that against Notre Dame with the way he was aggressive shooting the ball. And And frankly, a couple of those shots. and He turned something on. When he made that first goal against Lafayette, it was like, uh uh-oh. It was, what is the Billy Madison thing? Do you even, have you even seen that? Zach, where he's like, you're all in big not. trouble now <laughs> when he's out playing dodgeball against middle schoolers. Well, I, I use the meme. I use the Mark Ruffalo Infinity War meme. Like Fair. when he's in the, so yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah that's, that's what I use on Twitter. Yeah, that's good yeah. too. Um, as if he's Thor, you know, um, <laughs> pop culture aside. Uh, I think you saw, he was just a couple inches away from having a hat trick against Notre Dame. And if they get Notre Dame in the semifinals, part of the reason that UVA will be favored in that game is because Connor can burn Chris Fake. Chris Fake is a good defender. Connor can just take his launch money. He's exactly the type of defender that Connor, you know, at an elite level, Connor can beat. Um, and I think that you're seeing him reach a point. If Connor is fully healthy, which it seems like he's getting to that point, if he can be aggressive as a goal scorer, forcing teams to slide to him rather than just making that insane circus pass that Dixon catches and finishes, and that's great. But if he can start 
forcing defenses to slide consistently, beat guys one-on-one, and have a run that is similar to that of 2021 when he scored six-point-something points per game, um, I think he can win the Tuarton, and I think UVA can absolutely win the national championship with that. Um, And I think that, like, this offense is so good, just – it's it's just it's elite and it has tons of different pieces that make it so good but at the same time every defense's game plan going into a game is how do we stop connor schellenberger and if you can flip that script if you can get him to have that hat trick with three assists it's it's basically like can they dominate at the face-off x and get enough possessions to not stop to, to be able to make up for not being able to stop this offense because if connor's clicking this entire offense is clicking to a degree that it cannot if he's not aggressive like that and that's not uh, he can absolutely do that and, and we've seen him do it before in may um and so i'm really excited to see him play in may and i think yeah. that um if they get georgetown the matchup with will bowen will be something to watch i think Bowen is a righty, which suits Connor because sometimes if he gets a lefty who can just sort of doesn't have to V hold, um, then that can be a struggle. But at the same time, Bowen is massive and very, very strong. Um, and and so we'll we'll see how the matchups play out. I guess we can transition to bracket talk. Um, I mentioned bracket it talk. before. If he gets Richmond at home on Saturday, then we'll play in Albany if they beat Richmond against either. Um, Georgetown, Georgetown or Yale. Yale. Yeah. And then Notre Dame, Johns Hopkins, Bryant, Utah on the other side of this half of the bracket. And then all the way over on the other side is one seed Duke, four seed yeah. Maryland, five seed Penn State, including, I guess we have eight seed Cornell, unseeded, but basically nine seed Michigan. Um, and then, oh gosh, uh, Maryland is playing Army and Penn State is playing Princeton. somebody. Princeton. Princeton. And then yes, you have Delaware and Marist in the play-in game for Duke. Right, right. Uh, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I I think that there was a case to be made for Virginia at one. I really do. I think they had the best collection of wins and no bad losses. You know, you look at Duke, obviously, I mean, they were carried by the wins over Virginia, which is fair because I think we all agree that Virginia is a very good team. Uh, but they also had a loss to Jacksonville and I think their next best win, I don't know what it ended up, but it was probably Penn Syracuse. Penn, I think Penn, who didn't even make the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you look at, you know, again, I think they're the, the RPI is a flawed metric. Virginia ended up third in the RPI, which is what I think hurt him, but it was like 0.00167 or something like that behind Notre Dame in the RPI. So once, Duke got the one seed, essentially went to head to head, and Virginia obviously is the two wins over Notre Dame. Um, I think if they chose Virginia as the one seed, I think Notre Dame would be the two, but that's neither here nor there, nor does it matter. I think uh, Maryland got a gift at four. Um, I'm not sure why. It's a curious, it's a curious pick for me, just because they have two losses to Wisconsin. Sorry, to Michigan. That would be something. Uh, that would probably that would be, keep them out of the tournament. Yeah, they had two losses to Michigan, um, and Penn State only, I think, only had the one to Michigan. It was just a matter of like they both lost to Michigan in the conference tournament. Um, like, why one just happened because they met them sooner? I don't know. Like they. Hopkins ended up being a great win for Virginia. That one really grew well over time. But anyway, I look at, you know, if you want to look 
at the Richmond matchup, it's a little bit boring in the sense that they've already played Richmond this season. It's a close team that they're familiar with. Um, I get you know, sometimes you're like, oh, it would be more fun to play someone else, but I think this is a, this is a fine matchup. Uh, it finished twenty five to eight in Virginia's favor in Charlottesville back in April, March. It was like fourth or fifth game of the season, so I guess that yeah, would be I think, March. I think it was March. Yeah, um, it was pre Johns Hopkins, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. one sense you can look at that and say that's a good indicator of what the matchup could be. Second, second idea is like, do I think it will be twenty-five to eight? No. Richmond has improved, but I also think Virginia has improved. So that's an interesting discussion to be had. Um, but in the postseason, things are always very different. So all of the same, you know, last time they met, I think Xander had six, um, which is a lot of goals. Uh, yeah, I think he had two. Yeah, this was, in the this game. was during that, that stretch of the season that UVA had, what was it, three games? They scored 20 goals out of like four yeah, or five. That, you know, there was the Harvard game. So there was the Richmond game. Like, yeah. this was this was maybe the UVA offense at – it's peak of what we've seen so far this season was that first matchup. And it's, you know, is I think UVA is perhaps rounding back toward that form a little bit recently, but yeah, it's um, you look at what Richmond has done since that game, they've lost two games by a combined three goals, uh, yeah. a, a one goal loss to a seeded Georgetown team and a two goal loss to a St. Joe's team that I don't understand how they're not in the field. And nobody was particularly even, like the, 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 the bubble watch seemed to be Denver and Penn and no one, like this is a St. Joe's team that's top 10 in lacrosse references, like ELO rankings and has played, you know, they had, they had three losses in the middle of the season. They've got a three goal loss to Duke, but this, this is a, a team that I would have thought would be, yeah, that, that, that's a team that just sort of looking at the, the field generally, um as a hmm, that's surprising that they got left out but that's more as an asterisk to how good has richmond been since that yeah. virginia game um you know i think virginia still got some a pretty clear edge all over the field but yeah it's it's not going to be a 17 goal blowout no it'll be an 18 goal blowout <laughs> i look at things like you know pd went 19 for 26 that's really good um there were far too many penalties in that game on virginia they served seven penalties for six minutes which is wild um richmond went two for six out of those you cannot have and i think they've cleaned that up significantly and lars has talked about this a lot before we've talked about probably on here before he is actually okay if a penalty happens because they're playing aggressive defense and that is what it is, he wants the man down defensive unit to be better. I think they've improved over the season. You never in a tournament want to give someone six minutes penalty time. So that's something I'm going to keep an eye on. Um, and then you look at, you know, tied on turnovers. Uh, Noons only had 10 saves, but they only took 28 shots. So you're kind of like, okay, fine. I won't have too much to complain about there. Virginia doubled them up in ground balls. And that's going to be another one that, absolutely needs to be the case but yeah we had xander dixon at six cormier had three mcconvey had three mcintosh had three schutz had two um chismar had two schellenberger and a handful of others had one each uh cormier and schellenberger each had three assists um so i will say speaking of griffin schutz i think he is one that has improved over the course of the season and he is much more of an of a threat every time he's on the field early on. I think he struggled. He, I think there was a game Zach, right. Where he was like, Oh, for seven shooting. 
um, which happens. It was Michigan, happens. like game one. Yeah. And I think Shuts finding consistency could be yes. an underrated key. Because if you can yeah, get two yeah. goals from him out of the midfield every yeah. game as a as a downhill dodger, then again, like not that this offense is so good that it's hard to be like, they need this to happen. Like right. this is something that has to happen, but it'd be pretty awesome if it did. Yeah, he's got 20 goals on the season now. It's one of those things that every single time that someone can create a situation in which you have to sh- you have to slide or switch or create that unrest that like where they thrive that's huge the way that he's been playing you have to slide to him lately like you cannot let shuts get ahead of steam going downhill um and the same like we haven't even talked about jeff connor who i think has been fantastic this season just like a very consistent player doesn't get a lot of shine isn't always going to be the guy with the but he's i feel this is just like I just feel like if there were, if they did keep hockey stats, like hockey assists, he would be one that has more than you would think. Like he's, he's very good with the ball movement. Um, and he's still, he's got eight goals and 16 assists, but he's just a, a smart player. Um, but I, I like, I like what they've been doing in the midfield when you are able to run out McConvey, who has 26 goals, 20 assists, Griffin, 20 goals, 15 assists, Jeff Connor, eight goals, 16 assists. And then you throw in my, my guy, big Rick, who's got seven goals, two assists. Like that gives you some depth that you cannot focus solely on the true attackman. And that's where Virginia becomes so dangerous. And I think that they hold the advantage over Richmond when it comes to talent of the offense versus talent of the defense and that's not a knock on Richmond that's going to be the case on against almost everybody that Virginia plays because how much talent there is so in the way I think Cade Sostad will end up a first team All-American I think um Cole Kasser which is insane this is an insane like the the talent in at defense among the upperclassmen in college lacrosse right now is absurd being a first team and I think USA Lacrosse put out their All-Americans today. I believe USILA, which are the ones that count, do four attackmen and potentially four close defenders. Silly, they which... should do three because that's what the team is made up of, but that's fine. No, but this, this... is going to mean that Connor's a first-team All-American <laughs> attackman. That's what matters. Um, uh... <laughs> and so I think Sostad and Schellenberger will probably be first-team All-Americans. Well, and here's and, the thing. Yeah. I think you can make the case that Cole Kastner could be a first team All-American. I think there have been a lot of really good long, like close defenders this season. Um, but to have those two, again, playing at the level they're playing right now, we mentioned Matsui being hurt. Um, Griffin Kologi has stepped up like a champ. He's looked really good, former Richmond player. So there's there's a lot of like, I just think that the defense has been playing so much better that nothing is ever certain in these games. We all know that from every sport at Virginia. <laughs> All had her heart ripped out multiple times, multiple ways. We've also seen good things happen. So I think this is one that they hopefully would win comfortably. Um, but it, I think it's going to be closer than the first one. Um, yeah. yeah. UVA favored by eight goals um, on, you know, betting markets. Not the best. And if y'all are Hopkins fans, if you think Hopkins make a run, get over to DraftKings, man. They were plus 1,500. Everywhere else had them like, plus nine or something like that look at me yeah look at this me Paul. weird yeah <laughs> look at me who uh, would have thought not zach us. In, in the in the in the bzc era uh the before zach <laughs> carry era uh the the amount of explanation we had to do for caroline for sports betting was and now she's you know 
managing a, a big a big J journalist on the the sports sports betting scene. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Go go Who nab him at plus fifteen hundred if that's your if that's your thing. Um, yeah, Paul, what do you got? Georgetown. Or are we gonna yeah, move I mean, to the next matchup? Yeah. I was. Th- I mean, like I don't want to overlook Richmond at the same time. If you beat them by seventeen goals earlier this sure. season, and like you know, things can happen, as you said. God, things can happen, but you know, it, we'll just we'll say say UVA wins, and 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 we would probably be able to jump back on a podcast before that um, to talk about that potential matchup. But thoughts on Georgetown, thoughts on Yale, what might happen in that game, how that could affect the matchup. Yale could win has. that game. I just want to make sure that we're that's on the record. Yale could win that game. Yeah. The problem is Yale plays no defense. Yeah, and they can't win faceoffs. Against oh. aside from Riley. that, though, a real good time. Other yeah. than that, uh, how was the play? Okay. Um, I haven't watched Georgetown as much. They started 0 3 and they've cruised since then. They're one of the yeah. like hotter teams going in. Um, I think as someone, if you're if you are rooting for Virginia, I think you almost want Yale to win, definitely. Right? Georgetown has the elite talent, and that's what they've always had in guys on offense like Graham Bundy, um, Tucker Dordovic. Uh, gosh, there's another Syracuse, Nikki Solomon, I think. He's um, on that team? I believe he is, yes. Uh, they, they So they have talent offensively, and then they have a guy like Will Bowen on defense. They have James Riley at the faceoff X, who I mentioned. They have guys that can challenge UVA where UVA is strongest. And that is concerning. Whereas Yale, they do have, they have a, a solid group of attackmen. I think we saw uh, Matt Brandau is is their 1A on offense or, or on attack, especially. But we saw Chris Lyons, uh, sort of their second attackman, who is having a little bit of like a, not to the same degree, but a little bit of a Xander Dixon season and that he's, he's always been thought of as a finisher, but now he's starting to dodge for himself and score goals for himself. Fortunately, UVA has two elite poles. Um, but as we mentioned, I mean, if you if you watch that Princeton Yale game, and granted, like Yale upset, um, who did Yale beat? Did Yale beat Cornell in the Ivy semis? So I like, so. yeah, Yale is a completely right. very competent team. Um, but I think you're more afraid of that Georgetown matchup and the strengths that that roster has relative to how Yale um, Yale's roster is made up, and Georgetown's hot right now. I mean, they just beat Denver, a bubble team, by nine goals in the Big East championship game. And as Caroline mentioned, they've sort of they've gotten better down the stretch. And this could set up a rematch of that 2021 quarterfinal, uh, 14 to three win for UVA, which would be fun. <laughs> Can you edit out my Tucker Dordovic slander because I didn't realize how many goals he had? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Um, so he has 57 goals. Look, here's the thing. Uh, come back into this part. So he George has 70 now, points this year. He has 70 points this year, Tucker Dordovic. <laughs> um it's always it is it's really difficult to this is when you start gauging teams, right? You're trying to figure out what to make of people because again, down, like we said, down the stretch, like Georgetown's played really, really well. Um at the same time. As I'm a Georgetown grad, I'm not taking anything away from Georgetown. I love Georgetown dearly. Um, playing a run of St. John's, Loyola, Marquette, Providence, even Denver, who I you know was a bubble team. I don't think that they were as good this year. Um, is a different like this is not Loyola of a couple seasons ago that was like really really good. So this the one goal win over Richmond does concern me a little bit. Lost by seven to Notre Dame. Obviously Notre Dame is good. We know this. Uh, lost by one to Hopkins. That looks much better later 
loss to Penn. Well, that one, it's not a bad loss, but you're kind of like, oh, interesting. Um, so the stretch of this stretch of wins, wins are wins. They are what they are. So it's just a matter of I still think I'd rather play Yale if I'm Virginia, just because of the fact that both offenses can score. One of the defenses is stronger than the other. I think Georgetown has a strong defense, if we remember correctly, from a couple seasons ago when Virginia played them, even though that game got out of hand quickly because Connor was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to do the thing. Um, but they've added pieces there. Um, I don't, I just, I mean, you play who you play. I think it's ridiculous. My biggest, I think the bracket overall, there wasn't a huge bubble this year. So there's no like, oh, such and such team was, was left out. I know Paul's really sad about Denver being left out. Um, <laughs> Bill Tierney. Tragic, tragical. <laughs> um, but I think where they did kind of mess up is like, why are you sending Virginia to Albany? Like, don't, because here's what you've also and, said. And potentially up. Georgetown. Like that's, Right. And that's what I'm saying like, is what? like, you could have that's a, because everyone's DMV saying like, matchup. oh, it's good. They now have given the three seed Notre Dame a potential home game in Annapolis against Hopkins. Like, what is that? And then I get that you want to have like Maryland and Hopkins, but like now you also have Duke going to potentially face Cornell in Albany. Like, it's just, I yeah, don't know why they'll be, these... but they'll be playing Michigan instead. So that's, that's true. That is true. I told Paul, I was like, look, I will like, I'm rooting for Michigan, but if they, if they knock off Cornell, I need them to like commit. Like they have to also take out. You got to do the damn thing. Like yeah. you got to do, you got to do it. You got to really commit. Cause CJ curse could be a problem for that Duke defense. Josh. I think, Sawada I think Michigan be a problem for can, that Duke defense. Michigan can absolutely upset Duke. Cause that, yeah, I think this is on one of the fandom. more. Yeah. I think this is one of the more interesting brackets honestly because i and, i look and, at a bunch yeah. of the first round matchups and i think that there's a lot of potential upsets i, I think bryant hopkins and like that one might not be but like army maryland might be a sub 10 goals scored for each team like that there's could be an like argument nine to seven range there's an argument that duke is the most likely to be upset and this is this is it would probably be a stretch, but there's an argument that Duke is the most likely of the top three teams to not make it to championship weekend. Because Cornell is, I mean, CJ Kirst is probably the leader in the clubhouse for the Tuaraton. He probably won't get there because the team it, it's going to take a lot to make it to championship yeah. weekend. But in Cornell, you have a team that has two elite pieces in CJ Kirst and Gavin Adler defensively, a Gavin Adler, Brennan O'Neill matchup would be so fun to watch. Like the five, seven dude versus the six. Not as fun as Michigan though. Right. Right. And, and, and Michigan, (laughs) Michigan is on fire and, and has the pieces uh, offensively and at the face off to compete. So I, I, I think that Duke could very well go down in the quarterfinals as like a, I think it's it's likely more likely that they don't, but it 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 could be fun in Albany. It could. We have, it feels like we're talking about like a a sorry, Carla. But no. it feels it feels like we're talking about like a oh, it's this could of a yeah. There it's a twenty five percent chance happening. It's yeah, fifteen percent chance. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, like yeah. yeah I, I think it's there are. I think there's been a fair amount of separate. Yeah, nobody, nobody's in this field is undefeated. Nobody's only got one loss. Like it's everybody's got has at times showed their weaknesses, but I do think there is um, has been a fair amount of separation of of sort of the upper quadrant of of 
um, you know, the, the three ACC teams and, and Maryland, I, I do think like, yeah, I get it. that Hopkins came on, came on late, but um, I think you, you know, drop Maryland out of that group. I think Maryland's like second tier with hot, with hop and, and Penn state, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So, but I think there, there has started to be a little bit of that stratification as we get into the tournament. Now it's, it's may anything can happen. It's a cliche, but it's true um, that, you know, you, you don't, you never know how a team come that has a conference tournament and plays well in a conference tournament. Does that give them momentum? Does that take out what was left of their legs? Who knows? Um, you know, it's, it, it's not as, uh, as dramatic that way as, as the, the basketball tournament that, that yeah, everybody's, you know, at 64, you know, you've got four times as many games. So they're four times as likely to, to get these upsets. Um, but I do, I think there's been enough stratification that we're talking about, you know, marginal differences in, in likelihood of these, these upsets happening. It's not like, oh, that's an obvious, that team should not have been seated. Like there's not just that sort of yeah. volatility in, in the way this, this season has played out this year. I think it's interesting too, to look at it. It, to me, looking at this bracket, I really think it speaks to how much better lacrosse has gotten across the board. Like, because agreed hundred percent. I think the three ACC teams this year have just been, I mean, one of those three were number one all season. And I don't think there was a doubt that it should have been that way. Um, Except for Maryland fans. Yeah. If you, and it's just, again, the like, outside of the Jacksonville loss early in the season. And that's what like Duke will do, right? They'll lose some asinine game to start the season. That makes no sense. Not saying that that matchup was the one that was like, Oh, I can't believe, but, but there was like two years of like high point had there. Yeah. Games. They'll lose yeah. like a random game and everyone's like, Oh, Duke's lost it. And then they like win the rest and you're like, ah, never mind. We were early on that. Um, and otherwise they just beat up on each other. It's the, who's the best team. Well, it's Virginia. As long as they're not playing Duke, it's Duke as long as they're not playing Notre Dame and it's Notre Dame as long as they're not playing Virginia. So it's been, they've just looked a step above and haven't had the type of lulls since, you know, mid March that we've seen other conferences have and you know, injuries happen. Those are the worst, like that sort of thing. Like Maryland looked terrible in the big 10 title game yeah, um hopkins looked i mean they came out to a hot start and then looked awful in the third and fourth quarter against maryland in that game you look at you know princeton dominated yale looked terrible like their offense looked so bad in in the couple of the, and you're just kind of like or they're not yale who was i even thinking of penn state sorry was the other one they played michigan i was watching penn state and i was like what are they doing on offense because the answer was nothing like it was just and so there haven't been a lot of the three acc teams haven't had that lull but i look at the rest of those teams and i'm like that could be a good game that could be a good game i feel like i look back on years past and the first round was like okay how badly are each of these team's gonna lose because it's some um, you know way smaller even now like before bryant was one where you're like okay well it's probably gonna be a blowout now bryant has had a sustained success you know i'm trying to think of some of the ones that virginia's played other i got a memory the other day about the like memory of the uh, bucknell game and i was i like, was literally yeah i was thinking about that game recently i mean like, yeah and that was like a supposedly like a 7 10 matchup that was... I wish they would just seed everybody, and I know that the reason that they don't is because of all the location crap. And yeah, it's, it's like, oh, well, they're stuff. not. Richmond yeah. isn't actually worse than Utah, or this, blah, 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 blah. but mm. um, regardless, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I think it's a perfectly fine bracket for UVA. Yeah, 
I think it's I, the I best think possible situation. You don't want to be on the side of the bracket with Duke that you had to play them Saturday, right? Like that's the team that UVA probably has the toughest matchup with in the tournament. And you would only have to face them on two days rest for both teams. And that's sort of like the best case scenario if yeah. you're thinking, okay, like we want to, it's not an upset, but if you feel like you're a little bit, if you feel like Duke would be favored by one going into that game, you'd rather be on two days rest, especially with the depth that UVA has relative to Duke. Um, and the way that they've uh, always trained is to right, turn those. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think Georgetown is scary. Like I would rather have it be, but, but at the same time in the quarterfinals, it's, it's the elite eight. Like you're always going to have somebody that's capable of beating you in that game. UVA just in the past has, well, I guess in 2019, they had to come back against Maryland, but I mean, they blew Georgetown out in 2021. Looking back to 2011, they blew out Cornell and Rob Pinnell pretty convincingly. So, you know, there's no, they can absolutely lose that game, but I think that it's still a matchup that they're the better team. They're going to be favored by probably three ish goals in that going into that. Um, and then you get Notre Dame and like, yeah, you don't want to have to play a team for a third time that you've already beaten twice. But at the same time, the matchup is the matchup. That doesn't change because it's the third game. You know, like like Notre Dame's going to be doing the same thing. UVA is going to be doing the same thing. And it's just a matter of execution to some degree. And I think that UVA simply executes better against Notre Dame. And if it's Hopkins, it's Hopkins. And you beat Hopkins by four or five at home, you know, on the road, you know, at Hopkins home earlier this season. So, yeah. I'm happy with this. You avoid any BS against Maryland. Like you don't have any fluky other games that, you know, whatever. Like I don't have to hear from my girlfriend about UV- about Maryland beating UVA for like the 15th straight time, which it feels like. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling good. I think, I think UVA's going to go win another national championship. God, go outside, turn around three times and spit. Oh, yeah. You uh, sweet the, summer child. The youths. Just saying these things out. How fun open. would it be if they beat Duke in the national championship? How how amazing would that be? You know, I don't care like, who they. I don't care who they beat if they win a national. They could beat oh, Wisconsin. I don't care if Del- yeah Wisconsin. I don't care if Delaware makes it all the way and they beat Delaware. Like, just, <laughs> yeah, it's this is a. Fun, I mean, this has just been a really fun team to cover and follow. And um, yeah, no shit. I mean. The They're other, all good guys. And we didn't even talk about the like the chismars and solidays of the world. This is the thing that makes yeah. me feel the most. If you're a Virginia fan, which should make you feel confident heading into this is against Notre Dame. I counted three separate times in which a defenseman or short stick defensive midfielder dove in front of a shot to attempt to block it. And I think two of the three were successful. Mitchell Whalen did it. I know Saladay did it at least once. And I think there might've been another. And that is just an indication of buy-in. Like I do not, I'm not encouraging this behavior because it is reckless <laughs> and it is. Yeah. Terrifying. I'd rather them just not do it. Like yeah. unless it's like overtime, just like, but it's, it's like the, it brings back like um, Dave Smith oh, yeah. vibes. And oh, who's yeah. the other one that the uh, short stick. Didn't Chris Lapierre jump in he front did. of that was a, against Princeton. Princeton? Yeah, yeah, that was like Secret Service, like flying through. That's what's like. It's just like that to me is um, Matt Matt Jama was one that did it too. I think in the ACC tournament championship game or whatever. Like that is just an indication of like where these guys are at to sell out and commit and like that's when I'm like, oh, these guys are in. Like they're 
they're everybody is on board for this one (laughs) this team's also done it before like the core of 2021 i mean you miss and these are very big guys to miss but you're missing jared connors matt moore um alex road um you go back to 19 you're missing conrad you're missing conrad and kraus but and and close guys from that year but like cole kastner started as a freshman in the national championship connor schellenberger started as a Cormier, Dixon was there, Garno was there, Jeff Connor was there, LaSala was obviously there. Um yeah. LaSala was uh, there for the 03 championship. <laughs> <laughs> I loved yeah, he was 99. back getting they, it was cool that they also got to recognize him at halftime in the 03 championship and then <laughs> played in yeah. the yeah. other yeah. And the nineteen eighty three team. <laughs> I love Petey. I don't know what I'll do when he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Just when he starts moving, starts churning those um, legs, man. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. It's good. It's the best time of year for lacrosse. We'll try to come back here if you beat Richmond. Maybe do a, do more. Maybe maybe a, a deeper dive into whoever they play, and then definitely if UVA is in championship weekend, we will talk about that beforehand right. and, and hopefully depending when it is, may or may not be there because your girl's gonna have to watch the uh, final four. Oh yeah. Europe. Well, maybe we do it on the early end then, but. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be fun. I don't know. Do you guys have any any more thoughts? I'm not good at hosting podcasts. Everyone knows. <laughs> not with not that a, attitude. Not a skill of mine. <laughs> any anything else you guys want to add? Picks? I don't know. Do you guys have thought like any hot takes you want on the air? Let's I think Thomas McConvey is going to be picked pick. first in the PLL draft tonight. Oh, I love that. So that that could very well happen. I feel like he but, could have like a Charlie Bertrand esque tournament, yep, like he did in 2021. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I just meant like the performance, yeah, like yeah. what he's in the, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause well, he has shown also some, he had some Xander esque finishes against Notre Dame. And now, literally, like the entire offense can do all of the things. And if you're a defensive coordinator for someone else, I don't know how you even begin to prepare for that. Um, I actually, I think that I think Michigan's going to beat Cornell. That's going to be my upset pick that I go on the record for, not just because I love Paul and Natalie so much. Um, but I think that that Michigan is playing really well right now. Um, and Cornell is a good team, but if you, I think you're right with the two man face off the skills on offense. I think that's probably my upset pick for the, for the first round. I was going to say Michigan to championship weekend, um, but not to the finals so that my life doesn't become hell. Um, <laughs> a season, a season in which, my alma mater school has played my wife's alma mater school in lacrosse twice and basketball is like we had avoided any UVA Michigan matchups in any sports that either of us followed for the entire like 12 years of our relationship wow. until, until this year. Um, until what is that? Well, I guess second year of marriage, first yeah. year of marriage, second yeah, year. Of marriage. Second. Um, so I, like, I anyway, that, so I, I do think Michigan is hot. I would love to see them uh, make it to championship weekend and, and continue this sort of great, great story of, of this, you know, this team that was a, a club team up until four or five years ago. Um, well, I think, I think the, it... the, my chaos pick would be uh, neither, despite the committee setting up the all Bay state matchup, neither Maryland nor Hopkins makes it to the quarterfinals. That would be hilarious. That would be amazing. Be I have. Hilarious. I'm gonna go Princeton over uh, Penn, Penn State. State. Yeah, I think I think Penn State doesn't have juice. I think Coulter Mackesy. I think I think Princeton will 
the what? I think Princeton is a Final Four team, actually. I, I think really? that they'll yeah, you know what? That's that's gonna be my pick right now. I, and it's easy to say that after they like blew the doors off of Yale um and and beat Penn close. Uh not that Penn is amazing, but yeah, I think that's my pick. I think that they beat Penn State and then I guess they would play Maryland or Army. I think Maryland will beat Army, but it'll be like a couple of goals. And then I think it'll be Princeton like eight will... to six. Yeah, I think I think Princeton will get revenge on Maryland for the national semifinal loss last year. I would be okay with all of that. Play... Well, shout out to Mike Gianfricaro, their goalie, who's been outstanding, who is a nephew of my old boss at Inside Lacrosse and frequent uh, Inside Lacrosse events uh, help volunteer. <laughs> Uh, who is a delight and eats so many bagels i don't know how mothers that- of sons keep food in the house because the way that some of yeah. these guys would would eat um at these events i was like i don't understand this makes no sense to me <laughs> uh and then, then he goes yeah big fan of bagels i was like all right mikey <laughs> love that kid so and now he was the most outstanding player of the ivy league tournaments <laughs> There you go. Feels so old. There you go. Yeah. I think Princeton's fun to watch too. I think that, that they got they got some juice. Um so yeah, that'll be fun. Um I don't know. Yeah. We'll we'll close it out again. Not good at hosting podcasts, but uh thank you all so very much for listening. Uh we will be back soon. Hopefully I can corral Ben and Pierce into doing a podcast once Ben and I close out final season, look at basketball. Maybe I get Caroline and Paul. Maybe when we do another lacrosse episode, we'll talk some basketball too. Maybe we'll mix it up. We'll see. Stay tuned to the site off season for, for basketball, for football content up there. Um, and yeah, some fun lacrosse, baseball, tennis, both teams in the sweet 16, both men and women um, primed for another national championship run. So yeah, lots to talk about, a lot of fun stuff going on in the UVA sports world. Um, but yeah, stay tuned to the blog and, and thank you all so much for listening. 